Greetings and welcome to Men of Sorrows podcast. Today's podcast is really a spontaneous one. I was reading through my grief journal and that went along with Alan Wolfelt's book, The Understanding Your Grief. And I just decided to hit record and start talking about the book. So that's what today's podcast is about. And I hope you glean something from it. And it was a little bit spontaneous. And we'll get back to uh, next week. We're going to have Greg Stutz and Dan Duddy back on. I've decided to make them regulars. And we're going to talk about really being the role of husband and father while grieving and mourning. And we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, until then, remember God's grace is sufficient. His power is made perfect in weakness and nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Greetings and welcome to the Men of Sorrows Finding Joy podcast. I am William Lloyd, a man of sorrow, finding joy, seeking joy, and experiencing joy in life. The Men of Sorrows podcast, as you know, is geared towards men, um, helping them express their grief and sorrow. I wanted to check in with everybody. I've been going through my companion journal to the book Understanding Your Grief by Alan um, Wolfelt, Understanding Your Grief and, you know, exploring and going through the wilderness that you're in during grief. And we've mentioned this book on this podcast, earlier podcast, on the misconceptions of grief and the six needs of mourning. I, I covered those in the book, and it's part of his book, but he also has what he calls the 10 essential touchstones of grief. And along with that, there was a companion journal where you explored your own grief journey. And as I've been looking through it, I've noticed, I've noticed that I did this very early on in my grief journey. And you have to answer questions, and it's a companion journal. And wow, I was a I was a babe in the woods, to be honest, when I did this. I was this was I was a babe in the woods. I I wanted to grieve and I wanted to heal. I really wanted to get out of the pain. That's really what I wanted to do. But there was no way to get out of the pain. And that was one of the first things that he talks about is that there's no way. So I'm just gonna briefly talk about the 10 touchstones of grief and maybe share with you some of the things that I wrote down in there. And um, touchstone one is open to the presence of your loss. Open to the presence of your loss. Touchstone two is dispel the misconceptions about grief. And there's a separate podcast on that whole subject. We go through the book and go through the misconceptions about grief. Touchstone three says embrace the uniqueness of your grief. Touchstone four, explore your feelings of loss. Touchstone five, recognize you are not crazy. Touchstone six, understand the six needs of mourning. Touchstone seven, nurture yourself. Touchstone eight, reach out for help. Touchstone nine, seek reconciliation, not resolution. And touchstone 10, appreciate your transformation. 
Now, I'm not going to go through all of these today, but I, I would like to share maybe maybe the first four or five. But especially the first one, open to the presence of your loss. When it says to, to open your heart, um, it means that there's no way around it. You have to open yourself up to the presence of your loss. He said that the necessity of opening to the presence of your loss, to heal in grief, you must honor, not avoid the pain. One way to embrace the pain while at the same time maintaining hope for the future is by setting your intention to heal. Even as you embrace your pain and set your intention to heal, remember that healing and grief does not happen quickly or efficiently. Also remember that the common perception of doing well in grief is erroneous. To do well with your grief, you must not be strong and silent, but must rather mourn openly and honestly. So opening yourself to the presence of the loss is admitting the pain, being honest about the pain, and knowing, not denying the loss, the terrible, terrible loss, the terrible void, the terrible pain. And he says that you move towards the pain. And that was the hardest thing for me to accept. I was trying to figure out a way how to get out of the pain. I mean, this happened to other people, but not to me. This can't be happening to me. Um, this can't be happening to me in that sense that um, you can't you can't get around it. There's no getting around the suffering and the pain. You have to go through it. And that's kind of the hard facts. It's a hard saying. It's not an easy saying to accept. Um, one of the questions that he asked was, um, describe ways in which you have honored your grief if you feel you have not been honoring your grief. Write about ways you can begin to do so. So I wrote back then, and this is almost five years ago, I cry alone and I have cried to others I have talked to many friends and family. I cry out to God in my pain. I could honor it better by maybe finding a group. And as you know, if you listen, I did eventually find a group. I did eventually find people that really helped me. I found a counselor, which was a good friend of mine, and I named him as my grief counselor. He's the senior pastor, and he's, he's helped me through a lot to begin with. He's always been an accountability person, and you'll hear about him if you listen to other podcasts. But I did go to a suicide support group, and I also went sometimes to Compassionate Friends, which is particularly focuses on child loss. So I did go to those groups. He also says the pain of your grief will keep trying to get your attention until you have the courage to gently and in small doses embrace it. How is the pain of grief trying to get your attention? I said it won't go away. <laughs> I want it to go away. I want it to feel better now. And I wrote that in capital letters. Please, Lord, show me how to embrace the pain. Then it says, describe below your understanding of the difference between being a passive witness to your grief 
and an, an active participant in your grief. Okay, and he says, when you set your intention to heal, you make a true commitment to positively influence the course of your journey. You choose between what I would call a passive witness to your grief or an active participant in your grief. So I wrote, I think being passive means you stuff your feelings, keep busy and think something was done to you. Active means you are aware and more aware of your pain and you move towards your grief. It means talking, crying, praying, and crying, and praying, and talking some more, and pry, crying, and praying, and talking some more. That's what I wrote down. And it, it did. The thing that really helped me that Alan Wolf felt repeated and emphasizes is that grief is the feeling, and mourning is the expression of those feelings. And... There were there were some people that I could not actively mourn around, and I and I didn't. And then there were those that I could actively mourn around. Um, then he then he quotes from the book. I can I can continue to love while I continue to mourn. Do you agree with this statement? And I said I agree. God is love. Jesus demonstrated God's love as He loved and comforts me. I can must love others and Jesus even loved others when he was in pain and finally he says um, reconciling your grief does not happen quickly or efficiently how do you feel about your capacity to go slow and be patient with yourself in your journey through grief I said I want to do it quickly to get out of my pain I also want to do it quickly because my family needs me however my family needs me whole and strong so I must be patient and take it one day at a time. I feel a bit of shame by piling up too much on my wife and family. So I will continue counseling and I will journal. And I got, I, I mean, I became an expert at crying anywhere in any, any place. You know, I would put my arm in my sleeve like I was going to sneeze or something. Or I was just really good at it. Um, and then he tells us to write about, you know, what you will miss and that what maybe you don't miss if there were complications or struggles in the relationship. And I won't really go into that too much. Um, there were complications as any, you know, son and father might have. And he was, you know, he was determined to be a grown up, even though he was afflicted with fetal alcohol syndrome. But, um, that was a, it was a good exercise. And so that was, you know, the, the essential touchstones of grief. That was part one. That was move towards and be open to the presence of your loss. Be open to the presence of your loss. And I said, I wonder why he used that language, presence of your loss. And it's true. The loss is there. It's ever present. It's always there. And especially in the early days of grief, it is in your face. The loss, the gap, the gaping hole, whatever it is, that is right in your face. And um, anyway, um, touchstone two, okay, is dispel the misconceptions about grief. And we, we went into detail in the misconceptions about grief. I think one of the things that, for me, um, the misconceptions about grief, one was that 
um, being a believer in Jesus Christ and eternal life, there was a misconception in my mind that, hey, you know, they're, they're in heaven. They're great. You're going to see them again someday. Um, you know, you, you, mourning, you shouldn't feel that bad because, you know, they're, they're fine. Liam's fine. He's in heaven. You know, you shouldn't feel that bad. And um, yeah, that's definitely a misconception. And I was just talking to a friend the other day who had lost his wife and he was saying how selfish he was for wanting her here and especially when she's out of pain and she's in heaven. And that's those are misconceptions that wanting them to be here, wanting to be with them is, is selfish. That's not that's normal. Now, if you're 10 years down the road, then maybe, you know, you're stuck and you have some 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 problems with your grief, but not early on, not days weeks, months, even, you know, years, a couple years after, that loss is there. It's a gaping loss. So there's a misconception that we should just rejoice and, and praise God that they're in heaven. That's not, that's not the way this works. If you think about it, and we talked about it on this podcast before, Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. He knew he was going to take care of this problem, and he wept. He wept. He mourned. So, that misconception, one of the other misconceptions is that moving on is is like moving on or not expressing your emotion or not falling apart is doing well with your grief. And um, that's 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 the other misconception, you know, that I felt like I should be strong and I have to do this, that and the other thing and that. Um, I would be doing well with my grief if I was chin up and moving forward and no sobbing, no tears, and to be there for everybody and be what I want, what everyone wanted or needed me to be. And that didn't work that way either. That didn't work that way. So the the misconceptions about grief, if you want to go back and look at that podcast, because there's, there's more than that. There, there's one misconception is that it moves in a linear fashion, like the stages of grief, and, and that he goes into detail also, that um, Kubler-Ross's model of you know, grief was not meant to be this linear, easy process that you go through. In fact, that book was written, and those stages of grief were people that were terminally ill <laughs> and dying not people that were that lost. Now, there's truth in, in all of it. There's, there's truth in there, but it's not this one linear movement from, you know, denial to acceptance. It's, it's not at all like that. So that was another misconception about grief, that it's neat and tidy. There'll be days that you would you'd think that you were dying, that you were crazy, and that you didn't know which way was up. You know, you don't want to, especially with, with child loss, I really believe you, you don't want to live. You don't want to die. You don't, you don't know what to do. Now, here's the, the, something that really helped, too, that helped me not be insensitive or really hurtful to other people. It's recognize and understand the uniqueness of your grief, to embrace the uniqueness of your grief. Everybody grieves differently. Everybody grieves differently. I was a talker. I was a crier. I was a 
prayer, cry, talk, pray, cry, talk. Um, other people might express it differently. So the uniqueness, like for my wife, Carrie Ann, we went through another death of a dear, dear, dear loved one um, that she was actually, it was Grace's Marie's best friend, but Carrie was her teacher and we were good friends with the family. And the way Carrie really mourned was she started, she started and made a memorial garden and it's beautiful and therapeutic. And that was part of her mourning and some of the things that she put in it that um, remembered, you know, in memory of this dear, dear, precious soul. So that, that was one way. Um, other people, they might go on these long walks. Some people have to go on a trip or a journey, <laughs> a hero's journey, right? Um, there, there's all different ways to mourn, and your, your grief is unique. Everybody's grief is different, and how they mourn is different. How they express it might be different. So there's no right or wrong way to do it. There's just not. I would definitely get counseling and, and help have people walk with you that have gone through the, the, the road, gone down that road before. Um, glean from their wisdom, but really be acquainted with grief and, and with the process. And I remember, I think it was Alan Wolfelt, or it might have even been David Kessler, Ask the question, whose grief is the worst? And the question is yours. Yours is. We can't compare grief either. I can't say, well, I, you know, I lost my child. You know, your, your dad was, I mean, he lived a great life and it's the life expectancy. And there, there's no, there, you can't do that. Everybody's grief is different and everybody's grief. And, and loss, death is Death is the, the final blow. It's the worst thing that ever happens to any of us, that separation and that pain of separation. And outside of the hope that God offers us, to me, I, I don't know how people get through it without accepting that hope. But I, I've seen people that do, that aren't necessarily have faith, but just feel like it's part of the process. So with all that said, I think I'll, I'll stop there for today just on those, those three touchstones. So open to the presence of your loss, move towards your pain, find your people that you can talk to and express your pain and mourn openly with. The second is get rid of the misconceptions about grief. And there, there's, like I said, there's another podcast on there. And then embrace the uniqueness of your grief and and embracing the uniqueness gives you permission to grieve and to mourn so that's my little meditation um going going through that book kind of was was good for me to look at it because i saw how like i said i was a babe in the woods how raw the grief was and how Doing this, I made myself do it. I made myself go through this journal and write these things down. And at the time, it didn't seem helpful because it just was so painful to do. But I was doing exactly what he says in number one. I was moving towards the presence of my loss and my pain. And 
I took my time with it. There were days that I just kind of, and I remember now that there were sections that I skipped over and didn't answer the questions and then went back. So there's no, like anything, there's no right or wrong way to do this. We got to be patient with ourselves, kind to ourselves, nurturing to ourselves, and grieve, grieve the awful, the awful pain of it all.